morning. Someone must have heard my knees knocking over there and gave me a water. <clears throat> Thank you very much. This morning, I uh, really want to tell a story more than preach. Uh, as I was deciding on what I would speak on this morning, Pastor Brian, a couple weeks ago, had asked me to speak because he was going to be gone. and I really wasn't sure. I, I like to do character studies. I like to look people in the Bible and kind of see what made them tick and kind of how they lived their lives and what lessons I can draw from that. And then I, I like to try and figure out how I can preach on that. But uh, as I studied this last couple weeks, um, I really was struck last week by Pastor Brian's sermon. And as I looked at the person who I was studying, I knew light kind of came to my study of this person. And I, I, I've looked at their lives a number of times, and I've never really seen it in the way that I saw it in this last week. And so I just want to share with you the story of Saul. A lot of you probably know the story of Saul, but I want to share it. As I looked into the life of Saul, or the Apostle Paul, I, I guess I'll, uh, I may call him either one this morning. Uh, as I looked into his life this last week, there was something that really stuck out to me. And I want to share that this morning by way of sharing his story. Uh, Saul was born in a city called Tarsus. Tarsus was the capital city of Cilicia, a Roman-controlled uh, city. Growing up or being born in that city and raised in that city, he would have learned a lot of the things that influenced that city. A lot of those things were Roman and Greek culture. And he would have been raised with the philosophies and, and, and the things that were a part of that culture. In being raised in that city, he was raised into a family where his father was a Pharisee, his father was a Hebrew. He was of the Benjamite tribe, which is probably how Saul got his name. They probably named him, most likely, after King Saul, the first king of Israel, who was also a Benjamite. Saul was his Hebrew name, Paul his Roman name. And as Saul grew up in this family with a father that was a Pharisee, see, a Pharisee was, was a sect of Judaism. And for... Paul, growing up in that family, his father would have adhered strictly to the law of Moses. More specifically, the oral law of Moses. See, the Pharisees were a sect of, the, of Judaism who liked to look at the law and interpret what it meant and how it applied to their lives. And they lived very strictly according to that oral law. They differed somewhat from the Sadducees who uh, also focused very much on the law, but only on the written law. And they interpreted that very literally. So if the written law said an eye for an eye, they took an eye for an eye. They took that very literally, where the Pharisees would have interpreted that to mean something like, you know, if somebody stole your truck, you take their truck. That kind of an idea. So Paul was raised in this very uh, strict religious family. His father being a Pharisee is probably why early in his life he was sent to Jerusalem 
to a prominent school in Jerusalem, the Hillel School. This was a rabbinical school, uh, a school that taught Judaism. And Paul went there to learn under a man named Gamaliel. This man was well-known and highly respected as an expert on the law. Paul would have received a first-rate education there. As he was in the, the school of Gamaliel, he would have learned all kinds of things, political things, social things. He would have learned languages. Paul knew Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. He was well-learned. As Paul grew up in this environment and began to study and, and be educated in the law, what was important to them was living out this law as perfectly as they could. They were seeking after a righteousness of their own by following the law. Following the law meant for them that they would be approved by God. The more perfectly they followed that law, the more righteous they were. And that led to all kinds of things like self-confidence and self, self-assurance. They were confident that they could please God because through their own efforts. Some of the Stoic uh, philosophy beliefs of his hometown may have seeped into his thinking. It caused him to, to think about controlling his will and his emotions and being a very put-together man. We know from God's word that Paul rose up in the Pharisees. He was one of their leaders. He was highly thought of as a Pharisee. He was as good as it got for a Pharisee. This was Paul's life. Paul was born about the same time as Jesus. And as Paul was receiving his education, there rose up this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was saying things that frustrated and irritated Paul. As a follower of this law, and as a follower of the Pharisees, a Pharisee himself, the son of a Pharisee, he was very put off by some of the things that Jesus Christ was teaching. The followers of Jesus Christ were getting under Saul's skin starting to irritate him. To him, this was heresy. To him, the teachings of Jesus Christ were blasphemous and against everything that he had learned, everything that he thought. And he began to have a deep hatred for these people. Paul was probably quite pleased when Jesus was put to death on a cross. He knew the law in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23 tell us that a person deserving of death was to be hung on a tree, and so it probably tickled him pink to see that Jesus Christ was hung up on this tree, on the cross, and put to death. These followers of Jesus Christ continued to follow Jesus after his death. That must have irritated Paul. Paul probably thought in the same way that his teacher, Gamaliel, did, when in Acts 5 he said, you know, we're not going to punish his apostles right now because 
other false messiahs have come before. And when they died, their followers dissipated and went away and there were no problem anymore. And maybe Paul was thinking the same about Jesus Christ. Maybe he was glad now that Jesus Christ was dead and gone, there would be no problem anymore. Soon these apostles would fade off into the distance and nobody would hear about this Jesus Christ. The problem is that after Jesus' death, his apostles continue to preach. They continued to revere Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And the more they taught, the more disciples began to believe in Jesus Christ. The more disciples began to follow Jesus Christ. They were growing and growing, and this irritated Paul. They were growing so much that they appointed some extra leaders to help them with with some of the things that they were doing. One of those, Stephen, began to speak. And talk about Jesus Christ. Stephen talked about Jesus Christ as being the Messiah. And they brought him in. And they questioned him. Considering him a blasphemer. The law was specific on what to do with those people. Leviticus said that a blasphemer was to be stoned. Leviticus 24, verse 16. And so they brought Stephen out and they stoned him. And Paul was there and he approved of every, every bit of it. He was very glad to watch what was happening to Stephen. And it enraged him to think that though Jesus was gone, that his apostles and his disciples would follow him even to death. This didn't make sense to Saul. He was frustrated even more, and he became overwhelmed with anger. And he began to persecute the church. And he began to go into the homes of those who followed what he called the way. He went into their homes, and he dragged them out, and he imprisoned them. And they were brought up on charges of blasphemy. And when they decided what to do with them, when they tried them at trial, Saul says that he was there approving or casting his vote for their death. He brought about their death. He was overwhelmed with anger still. And he just couldn't get enough of getting rid of all these people of the way. And so... He went to the high priest and he asked for permission to go to Damascus. Damascus was a city that was a center of trade. Lots of people from other lands would come in and leave. And he knew that he needed to get to Damascus. And he got approval from the high priest to take letters to the synagogues in Damascus and stop the spread of this heresy, this blasphemous word being spread by the apostles. Saul was on his way to Damascus. I'm sure he was angry as he went. And he was stopped on the road to Damascus at midday, at noon, by a bright bright light, brighter than the sun, so bright that it blinded Paul, and he dropped to his knees. 
And there on his knees, he heard these words in Aramaic. His people who were with him didn't understand it because they didn't understand Aramaic, but he did. And he heard these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? And the voice said back, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus told him to stand up, and he stood up, and he said, what do I do now? Jesus said, go to Damascus. Stay there, and I'll tell you what to do. So Saul was led, being blinded by this bright light, was led by his companions to Damascus, where he stayed for three days. In those three days, somewhere in this period of time, he placed his faith in Jesus Christ. When Ananias got there, he said, it's time for you to be baptized and be washed clean of your sins. And Paul placed his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was cleansed of his sins. And he was baptized. The Bible tells us that immediately he started to speak in the synagogues in Damascus. And the people who were there knew who Paul was and knew why he was there. And they were confused. What is he doing? Paul was preaching Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus as Christ. And people couldn't figure out what was going on. The Jews there became angry with Paul. They plotted to kill Paul. Some of the disciples in Damascus put Paul in a basket, lowered him over the edge, down out of the city, and he fled to Arabia. We're not sure how long he was in Arabia. But he was there receiving instruction. A different kind of instruction than he had received from Gamaliel. This time he was receiving instruction from the Holy Spirit. And he came back to Damascus. We're not sure how long he was out in Arabia, but between his leaving for Arabia and the time when he would finally leave Damascus, it was about three years. And he went from there to Jerusalem, and he faced some trouble. First, he wanted to meet up with the disciples. He wanted to get get on the same page and get to know them, and they didn't want anything to do with him. We know who he is. We know what he's about. He faced trials there. He went on, he began to preach and to teach the gospel He began to share his story and tell what Jesus had done for him and teach the people what Jesus had revealed to him through his Holy Spirit in Arabia. He began to preach the gospel that Jesus Christ had died on the cross as a payment for our sin. And that if we believed in what Jesus did on the cross, we could be justified by faith. And he was preaching this not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Because of this, Paul began to face a lot of trouble. People argued with him. People confronted him. They tested him. They chased him. They hunted him. He faced all kinds of trouble. They imprisoned him. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29, he tells us a little bit about this. He says, Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from everything, there's this daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? Paul's conversion didn't lead to a great life. Paul's conversion there in Damascus led to a life of all kinds of trouble and trial and difficulty. And I look at Paul's life before Damascus, and here's this man who had risen up to prominence. He had everything going for him. He had a passion for doing something that he thought really mattered. He had the respect of the people around him. People who believed the same as he did lifted him up and, and, and they, they thought he was great. He was doing great things in his own mind and in the minds of those who had trained him and taught him. He had all of these things going for him. He was comfortable. He was happy. And yet when Jesus met him on that road to Damascus, and he went into Damascus, his life changed. And it changed dramatically. He didn't go back home. He fled to Arabia. When he came back to Damascus, he didn't go home. He didn't take what he had come to know, he didn't take this faith that he had placed in Jesus Christ as his Savior and then head back home and try and fit that into his regular life. This faith that he placed in Jesus Christ completely changed his life and I have to ask the question, why? Why did he leave everything he knew? Why did he risk everything and lose everything that he had worked for? Why would he do that? The answer seems so obvious. It's because he met Jesus Christ. But I want to, I want to take us back just a moment to that moment on the road to Damascus. And I want us to think about what was going through Paul's mind. As he was down on his knees because of that bright light, probably scared to death, he heard the words of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ told him to get to his feet. And as he stood on his feet, blinded, just there with his own thoughts and the voice of Jesus of Nazareth, 
he was confronted with a truth that he had to deal with. This wasn't a truth that he could walk away from. You see, his whole life, he had been taught one thing. The law made me righteous. My own works are what give me the right to go before God. I, myself, am what I I trust in. My ability to follow the law, that's what I trust in. And here as he stands, listening to the words of Jesus, the truth that hit him right there was that if this was Jesus talking to him, if this was Jesus of Nazareth who was meeting him on this road, then Jesus of Nazareth has Nazareth had risen from the dead. And if Jesus had risen from the dead, then Jesus was who he said he was. And if Jesus was who he said he was, then the things that he was saying while he walked on this earth, which I'm sure Paul was very aware of, then those things must have been true. And as Paul was led into Damascus and spent three days without food or water, just with his own thoughts, he was wrestling with what do I do now? He had asked Jesus that question, and Jesus had led him to Damascus and told him, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what to do. And as he wrestled there for three days with his own thoughts, he had to wrestle with, If this is all true, if Jesus is the Messiah, and he placed his faith in that, then this had to change his life. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Because this gives us a picture of something that I find amazing. And again, the question, why did Paul's life change so dramatically? The answer seems so obvious is because he placed his faith in Jesus Christ. He had finally realized who Jesus Christ was. Philippians chapter 3 says this. Starting in verse 5. Sorry. Starting in verse 3. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under law, blameless. But whatever I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This passage gives us a picture into 
what change had happened in the life of Paul. He had attained so much in a worldly sense. He had gotten everything that he wanted in a worldly sense. He was doing things in the name of God. He was fighting for what he believed in. And he was being supported. And he had risen to power. And he was highly educated. He had everything he wanted. And yet, he says in Philippians, I look back at that now, and it's all worthless. It means nothing. Why? It means nothing because I count it lost for the sake of Christ. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them in rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. This is a huge statement for Paul because this is all that he thought before. This is all he was concerned about before, was a righteousness of his own. That was what meant something to him, and yet he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. This change in Paul's life, the reason he was willing to go through all the trouble and the trials and the difficulties after his conversion was because he understood himself in a new way. Earlier in Philippians in chapter 2, he talks about having the same mind as Christ Jesus had, a mind of humility. And now instead of puffing himself up and making himself righteous on his own, he realized that on his own, he was nothing. But everything he had came from Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. His righteousness wasn't because of his own efforts. It was because of what Jesus did on the cross. And again, I asked the question, why? And as I asked that question, and the answer seemed so obvious, something else seemed so obvious to me as I was reading this this week. Something I hadn't thought about. But as I looked at Paul's life and the dramatic change that happened in his life, I asked myself the question, why? If I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, if I understand that my righteousness doesn't come from me, but I am nothing on my own, and Jesus Christ died on the cross to make it possible for me to be seen righteous by, as righteous by God, then why hasn't my life dramatically changed? Why isn't my life dramatically different? Why do I hang on to Christianity sometimes as, as if it's an accessory to my life? If I'm a Christian this morning, if I've placed my faith in Christ, if I understand what Christ has done, my life should be dramatically different. It should make a change in my life. If I told you this morning that as I was on my way to church this morning, I turned my car up US 41, got up to about 45 miles an hour, and then I saw a logging truck coming down my lane. And I ran head on into that logging truck. It was also going about 45 miles an hour. It totaled my car, destroyed it. If I told you that story this morning, you might look at me and say, you're a liar. Why would you say that? 
Because if I came face to face with a logging truck this morning at 45 miles an hour, there'd be some evidence of that on me. I'd be bruised. I'd be cut up. Probably wouldn't be standing here. If I had come face to face with a logging truck this morning, there would be some evidence of that on me right now. If I call myself a Christian, if I say that I've placed my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, if I believe the message that I heard last week on Easter Sunday from Pastor Brian about what Jesus went through on that cross and why he did it, then there should be some evidence of that in my life. You should see some sign of that in my life. My life should be dramatically different. I should be sold out for following Christ and preaching Christ and talking about Christ and what Christ has done in my life. I can't stay the same. If I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, my life has to be dramatically different. Paul must have realized as he was blind for three days in Damascus that he was blind long before he got to that road to Damascus. He was blinded from the truth. He'd been following a lie. He'd been trusting in the wrong thing. Saul was confronting the reality that his life could not stay the same. Confronted with this truth, he had to change. He couldn't take this truth and return to his old life. The reality of this truth that he was confronted with was that his life would need to change. His sins were washed away, and he was baptized, and his life changed. As we look at Paul's life, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you're trusting in the wrong things. You're trusting in your own ability to work enough or do enough to please God. Maybe it's time for you, like Paul, to recognize that Jesus was who he said he was. That he's risen from the dead. That it's time to place your faith in him and have him change your life. That it's time to put away all the old things that you've been working at. And start following Jesus Christ. Maybe you've placed your faith in Christ. But leaving behind the old life is much more difficult than it sounds. All those things that make you happy and make you comfortable and keep you safe, you think. You hang on to because you don't want to let go of that old life. Maybe some of those things you still like. But if you've met Jesus Christ, there should be a change in your life. If you claim faith in what Jesus Christ did for you on the, on the cross, you have to come away changed. It's time to put away those things that we're hanging on to and follow Christ completely. It's time to trust Him for our future. No matter what difficulties that brings, 
no matter what family that puts us at odds with. No matter what friends we may lose. We need to change. I need to change. Maybe you've been following Christ for a long time and you've gone through a lot of difficulties. Maybe you're nearing the end of your life and you feel it's time to relax. And you've done enough. Paul says, following what, he, what we already read in verse 12, he says, not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. We keep pushing. We keep trying to follow Christ. We keep following him dramatically different from the way we used to be. We keep working to live a life that honors him. Not because we can earn his favor, but because we're so thankful for what he's done for us on the cross. We're going to close this morning, and I realize we're very early when I spoke this message at home. It took a lot longer. <clears throat> but that's okay. We'll just be early. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you for the example of Paul. And God, it seems so obvious to us that after he met you on that road to Damascus, his life changed. And yet, God, for some reason, we put ourselves in a different place. And we place our faith in you, and our lives stay very much the same. Or maybe they change for a little while, and then we fall back into our old lives. But God, Paul, for the remainder of his life, lived sold out for following you. God, I know that if I've placed my faith in you, if I believe in you and what you did for me on the cross, that my life needs to be different. And I pray, God, that you would help me to follow you 100%, that my life would be dramatically different. That when people look at my life, they would see someone who follows you, not out of trying to live up to some code of righteousness, God, but because I love you and what you've done for me. Because I owe you everything. Because everything else I've done in my life is worthless because of what you've done on the cross for me. Help me to follow you in a way that honors you and pleases you. God, all of us here are in a different place in our lives. Some of us don't know you. I pray, God, that today would be the day that we recognize what Paul recognized, that your son was who he said he was. And what he did on the cross, he did for us. Help us to recognize what Paul had to recognize, that our sin separates us from you. Jesus Christ came to earth to die on the cross to take the penalty of our sin for us. I 
I pray, God, that when we place our faith in that fact, that it would change our lives. If we've been following you, God, we've placed our faith in you, but we're hanging on to some of those old things, some of our past life. God, I pray that we would turn to you 100%, that we would follow you completely. That those things that hold us back from you, we would do away with. And we would follow you completely. I pray, God, that that wouldn't be for a temporary moment, but, God, that that would last the rest of our lives. That we, like Paul, would press on because we haven't obtained it yet. I pray that for the rest of our days, God, our lives would be dramatically different. I pray this in your name.